This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. It's so good to have you here today. We've got, as always, an exciting day. Let me kick those ears out there. Um, we've got our deeper graduation today. What, what? Yeah. Um, so some people, somebody's getting some coffee mugs today, so we're excited about that. We got a deeper graduation, and then something I'm really excited about, we're going to share with you our 10 for 1 reveal today. And so we actually have, um, so all of you guys that helped work, paint, uh, finish the 10 for 1 project that we did at Whitley Road Elementary School, um, Joel put together an awesome video, and so we're going to share with you guys at the end of service, kind of the beginning to the end of that project. And uh, it's really cool. You guys did a great job. I'm so proud of you. You just need to just just accept that for a minute. I'm so proud of you guys. Y'all did. It was it's so cool. So um, all that and then we're almost done with Don't Waste Your Life series. So we've got one more week of that. And uh, so we're almost finished. So as I was um, prepping for today's sermon or talk or whatever you want to call it, I saw a video on Facebook that I wanted to tell you guys about. And so in this video, <clears throat> it's pretty interesting. There's this guy, and I don't know if he was like a teacher or a pastor or youth pastor. I don't know what the guy is. But anyway, so he gets all these kids, uh, teenagers in this field. And so you guys know where I'm going with this. Have y'all seen this video? All right. So if you have, you can quit listening to me for a little bit. If you have, I'll tell you when to come back. All right. So he gets all these kids in the field, and he says, we're going to have a race. So he lines them up. He says, we're going to have this race. And he says, and whoever wins this race is going to get $100. Anybody interested? Yeah. And so he says, all right, but as we do this, um, before we do this, I'm going to make some statements. And if I make that, if I, the statement that I make is true for you, then I want you to take two steps forward. Okay. Y'all got the rules so far. And so he says, all right, so here's what we're going to do. And so see, he, the first statement he makes are things like this. He says, um, if you never had to wonder where your next meal was going to come from, take two steps forward. And so you have some people majority of them took a couple steps forward. He'd say, if you grew up and you had both of your parents heavily involved in your life, take two steps forward. If you went to college and you didn't have to pay for it, take two steps forward. And so he he lists off statement after statement after statement. He probably says 10 statements, something like that. And at the end of it, you look, it kind of pans back and you see, um, you see there's people that are way out in front. You see people, they're scattered. You see people kind of scattered in the middle. And then you see people at the end who like didn't take a single step, who, who, who like literally, um, stayed exactly where they were. And so the, the point of this, the, of this game, he says is, look, there's going to be some of you guys that you might run as fast as you can and you're never going to catch up to these guys who are way in the front. Or there's some of you guys who, who can catch these people in the front. You're going to run as hard as you can. You're just going to have to run extra hard to get there. And so he says, and some of us, he said, some of you guys, just the truth of the matter is had a head start to begin with. And so in this race, you've got a better advantage than some other folks. And so I'm telling you guys this story not to make you feel bad about where you started, right? Because some of you guys might have been like, well, now I feel bad because I would have been in the front of that race. Or some of you guys are thinking, well, now I feel bad because I would have been in the back of that race. Or some of you guys are like me and you just, you would have probably been in the middle somewhere, right? It's, it's not to make you feel bad, but the point of that story is for us to step back for a minute and recognize how fortunate we actually are. How blessed we actually are. How privileged we actually are. I think that, that sometimes just in life, as we live life, 
we forget how amazing life is, how fortunate we are, how privileged we are. So I don't want you to make you feel bad about maybe if you would have been in the front, but I want you to step back and recognize, man, life's been pretty good to me. And you might, you might say, well, Mike, that's not me. I would have been at the back of the list. I would have been in the back of the, of the people. But even if you were in the, you would have been in the back and you're in this room today, I'd still say you're pretty blessed. I'd still say you're pretty fortunate. For example, I'll give you just a couple easy ones. For example, did you know that we live in the richest country? We're pretty fortunate for that. Like not only that, but we live in Dallas-Fort Worth, which is one of the richest metroplexes in the United States. So we live in one of the richest metroplexes in the richest country in the world, which makes us pretty, I wouldn't say rich, but pretty fortunate, right? Or how about this one? Have you, anybody tried to buy a house lately? It's pretty hard. You know why it's pretty hard? Because people are flocking to Dallas-Fort Worth. You know why? Because there's so many job opportunities where we live. And so we have, we live in one of the richest metroplexes and the richest countries in the world. And then we live in an area where there's so many job opportunities available that people are flocking and moving to where we live. How about this one? There's so many education opportunities where we are. We're blessed, right? Like literally you could drive 10 miles in any direction and just run into a school, right? Like North Texas, uh, University of North Texas, you got TCU, you got SMU, you got Texas Westland, although is that a quality school? I don't know. Um, you have there's so many schools that like right, like literally you just drive and you run into an educational opportunity that not only do people not necessarily have around the world, but there's so many just right here in North like North Texas that aren't available in the rest of the United States. You know what I'm saying? Like if you flunk out of UNT, just go to UTA. If you flunk out of UTA, just go to Texas Westland. If you flunk out of Texas Westland, just go to TCC. Like I mean, there's so many opportunities, right? We're so blessed. We have so many advantages in life, I think, that sometimes we don't really realize how privileged we are. It's kind of like a couple of weeks ago when I, we were talking about bitterness or worry, one of those two. And we said, man, if you get down and you're just having a bad week, I would just encourage you to just sit there and just, just start to name off your blessings. Just go to the Lord in prayer and start to pray and start naming off, man, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for this. And by the end of that conversation with God, it's hard for you to still feel down, isn't it? Because after that conversation, you realized how blessed and how fortunate you are. And you, you can't help but leave that conversation hopefully encouraged. And so today, I want us to recognize how fortunate we are and how privileged we are. And so the, the title of today's talk is, now relax, don't waste your privilege. Because of our blessings and advantages, we have an incredible responsibility to use what God has given us. Like not, not only that, but as a Christian, as a Christian, I would say that we have a biblical mandate to use our blessings, to use our advantages in life to help those who are less fortunate. Let me, let me give you some examples. Just read a couple Bible verses so you can kind of see uh, the picture that I'm talking about. First John 3.17, if anyone has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, but closes his eyes to his need, how can God's love reside in him? Luke twelve thirty, or yeah, Luke twelve thirty three. Oh, excuse me, Luke three ten and eleven. Um, and what's funny about this one is the Pharisees literally just come up to Jesus and he calls them a bunch of snakes. How would you like that one? Jesus walks up and is like, "You're a bunch of snakes." And so they they essentially ask Jesus, "How can we not be snakes?" Like we want. He said, "Your your faith has made you a bunch of snakes." So how can we not be a bunch of snakes? They said, "What what then should we do?" The crowds were asking. He replied, "The one who has two shirts must share with someone." who has none, and the one who has 
food must do the same. And so essentially saying the way you can live out your faith, live out your religion is if you live in abundance, share with those who have none. Luke 12, 33 and 34, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Make money bags for yourself that won't grow old and inexhaustible treasures in heaven uh, where no thief comes near nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And what he's essentially saying there is so often we spend our life trying to build a kingdom to ourselves. Instead, let's build the kingdom of God. Romans 12, 13, share with the saints in need. Pursue hospitality. Now, yesterday, I kind of ran a 5K. I say kind of ran a 5K because I was chasing daddy long legs over here, Stephen. And so, like, like literally, the whole race, I was pursuing him, right? And so I'm chasing him down, trying to get to him, and I'm doing everything I can. So this, this word here, pursue, is like chase down, give everything you can, do whatever it takes to follow, to go after, to get this hospitality. Now, I failed in my pursuit, but maybe we won't together, right? And then this last one, James 1.27, pure and undefiled religion before our God and Father is this. And, and some Bible verses translate this as true religion or true faith. So pure and undefiled religion before God, our Father, is to look after the orphans and widows and to keep oneself unstained. Religion that is pure and undefiled is a religion or a faith, a faith with Jesus, like not just any religion, but our faith with Jesus that leads us to care for those. There's a few interesting examples. There's one reason why he says widows and orphans. Widows, because in this time period, um, women didn't necessarily work. And so if their husband died and if they didn't have any kids, they were in trouble. They had nobody to take care of them. They had nobody to provide for them. They had no way to get food, right? All these kinds of things. And so James is saying to the church, your job is to be a community and come behind these women in need and to provide for them, take care of them, to make sure that they aren't in want in any way, right? And then secondly, what's the other example he uses? The orphans. Who's supposed to take care of kids? We got somebody that knows the answer. Their parents. Well, if they don't have parents, whose job is it to take care of them? And James says here, it's the job of the church. It's the job of the church. And so we see this huge emphasis in Scripture, and these are just two examples that he gives, but the point of it is that these are people who can't care for themselves. These are people who can't provide for themselves, and he's saying it's the church's job to come beside those people, to care for those people, to love those people, to provide for them. And the reason why the Bible such, puts such a huge emphasis on this, such a big mandate on this, is because when we do that, we are living out and walking in and living close to the heart of Jesus. What do we see in Jesus as he lives on this earth? We see this incredible love and heart and care for people, not just anybody, but everybody, right? Not everybody specific, everybody. And what we see is this finally played out and lived out on the cross as he goes to the cross for our sins, which is literally the ultimate self-sacrificial giving for people who literally cannot save themselves. He says, we, church, you have a job in your blessings, in your gift, in your prosperity, in your privilege to care for those who can't care for themselves, just like I cared for you when you couldn't care for yourself on the cross. That's pretty beautiful, actually. That's pretty beautiful. And so true religion, a true faith is one that helps us to take our eyes off of ourselves and see the needs of those around us. It's like we live in a world that is always screaming to us what? You're most important. Take care of yourself. Pay attention to you. Take care of yours and your, yours. Like, like all the time, you're just hearing all these things like, live your truth. Just be true to you, baby. I don't even know what that means, right? But, but that's what we're told. Just be true to you. Just live your truth. 
just work look out for you. But the Bible is telling us that true faith, true religion is a religion that actually turns our eyes off of ourselves and opens our eyes up to the needs of those around us and causes us to want to help them, love them, serve. That's pretty cool. It's this calling, it's a command, and it's a beautiful responsibility for the Christian to care and to provide for those in our world who can't care for themselves. Where there's a void, here's the way I look at it, where there's a void is the church's job to step up and feel it. And to me, that's a pretty cool challenge. Like to me, that doesn't scare me. That like excites me, right? To me, that makes me be like, dude, I get, we get to live for a purpose. We have a mission. We got something to do, right? Because there's nothing, there's nothing more than just meeting together and being bored, right? Like we got something to do. And I also believe, and I want you to hear this from my lips, I also believe that this bleeds in totally into things like social justice, where there's people who are disenfranchised, where there's people who can't speak for themselves. It's the church's job to speak up for them. Especially when you have people who maybe they are speaking for themselves, but ain't nobody listening. It's the church's job to step in and be a voice for them. And here's something cool that happens when we do that. Check out Proverbs 19:17. It says, kindness to the poor is a loan to the Lord, and he will give a reward to the lender. Anybody got some loans out? You know what comes with loans? Interest, baby. And so what it says there, kindness to the poor is a loan to the Lord. So we're literally giving to the Lord. And he says, he's going to pay you back with interest. Now, I know you got excited about that because it sounds like I'm preaching some prosperity gospel, but that's not where I'm going with it. Here's, here's why he pays you back with interest. Proverbs 22, 9, a generous person will be blessed for he shares his food with the poor. And so what you see here is, is a promise that is we're generous. If we have a heart to give, as we have a heart to, to serve others and give to others and look for the poor and like just give whatever we can to them. The Bible says God is going to bless you because what he knows is as soon as it hits your hands, it's going out to somebody else. As soon as he's going to bless you because as he blesses you, he knows he, you're going to be like Oprah. You get a car, you get a car, you get a car. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so a generous person will be blessed for he shares his food with the poor. God is going to bless you because he knows it's not going to stay with you. You're going to live open-handedly. You're going to see your blessings as an opportunity to bless others. And that's a pretty cool calling. God blesses those who bless others. But even more important than this, I love these verses right here. And I'm going to read them. It's Matthew 25, 34 through 40. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom of God, prepared for you from the foundations of the world. Now this is talking about um, the like the end of time. This is like when everything's over the world and God's going to call the righteous. He's going to call the Christians to himself. And here's what he's going to say. Here's why I'm calling you. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous, which is hopefully the Christians, us in here, right? Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did you see me hungry? Or when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or when did we see you a stranger and take you in or without clothes and come to you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king all of that, and the king will answer them. I assure you, whatever you did for the least of these, the ones who can't pay you back, the ones who, the least of these, brothers of mine, did. Above all, our love, our care, our sacrifice for those in need of being a voice for those who in love for Jesus. Like he literally says, I don't know if you, if you caught this, he literally says, when you do it, you do it for me. When you feed them, you feed me. When you clothe them, you are clothing for me. When you serve them, you're serving for me. When you love them, you're loving them 
for me. He's saying, when you do these things, you do it in my name and for me. Like how much would that transform and change our perspective as if when we saw people, we begin to see them as Jesus instead of just a stranger. This, this week in our men's group, uh, which if you're not in a community group, you should get in one. What, what? Um, this week in our men's group, uh, David McCloskey mentioned the what would Jesus do bracelets. Y'all remember those things? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I, as I was thinking, I thought instead of like, what would Jesus do? Like, how would you treat Jesus, right? Like, I mean, we're not going to make a bracelet. How would you treat Jesus? That'd be a lot big. But what if we thought that instead of like, what would Jesus do? We looked at people and we said, if this was Jesus, how would I treat this? And I think that that would change the way that we operate a little bit. Like I joke about this, but it would definitely operate about how I dealt with people in traffic. True faith is a faith that takes our eyes off of ourselves and puts them on the needs of others. And everything we do is we serve and love others. We do it in the name of Jesus and for Jesus. And in the end, we hope that this happens. Something that's kind of becoming a mantra for our church, which is Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, we let our light shine before men that they may see our good works to our Father in heaven. And so here's the way it works out. that As we serve Jesus in our love for Jesus, we hope that people would see Jesus. And let me say that one more time. As we serve Jesus out of our love for Jesus and then turn to what it's all about. You say, all right, Mike, so that's great. So I've got, I'm privileged, great. You made me feel bad about having blessings. Now I got to give them away. No, how do I do it? What do I do? Well, here's what I would say is I'd say definitely the first step, like they say, what is in the AA class? First, you got to realize you got a problem. We don't have a problem. First, we got to realize that we're blessed. Because so often as Christians, we, we walk around moping sometimes, don't we? Like, oh, poor me. I got like, man, you are so blessed. We are so blessed. Like, if nothing else, I want you to leave here and just be like, I'm blessed, baby. Like, one out here, like, how are you doing? Blessed, right? I'm blessed. We are so blessed. And so I want us to recognize that. And then secondly, I think it's to realize that we do, as Christians, have a mandate to use that blessing, to use that privilege to, and to help others, right? And so how do we, so then what's next, Mike? What do we do next? Well, I think the next step in that is to learn to empathize and to learn and understand the people that we want to serve. Right. Um, here's what I mean by that. We have a we have a responsibility if we want to help people, if we want to serve people and, and build people up. We have a responsibility to learn about them and understand the people around us in our community who are struggling in order to understand their struggle. Right. Like the whole walk a mile in their shoes thing. Because here's the thing is that if we don't do that, if we just like walk by and we're like, here's some stuff, hope it works out for you. We might actually be a hindrance more than a help. Does that make sense? We might be a hindrance more than a help. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an example of, of, of what I mean by that. And this is not a, this is not racial commentary. Like, don't, don't think I'm going there. Like, we are, we're a diverse church family from all different kinds of backgrounds, but this example just works really well here. And so um, one time I had a preacher friend, and he's a great guy. I'm not trying to, to rag on him. I hope he doesn't listen to the podcast so he doesn't hear me talking about him. But uh, anyways, he was always talking about going back to the good old days of the church. Y'all ever heard anybody talk about that? We just want to go back to the good old days of the church. And I was like, well, what's the good old days? And he said, you know, the 50s and 60s. It's like, so you think that was like the good old days of the church? Yeah, when Christians were Christians. And then like just he has like this whole rant about it. And so one day I just asked him, I said, so I know you're saying that that's the good old days of the church, but those weren't the good old days for everybody in the church. Matter of fact, there was a whole segment of our society like who were very oppressed and were very much going through suffering during that time period. I would... I would not say those were the good old days of the church. As a matter of fact, the reason why there was so much suffering and oppression was because the church wasn't doing what the church was supposed to be doing. And so I wouldn't say that those were the good old days of the church. And he didn't understand that what he thought was the good old days was, in fact, an awful time and a time of suffering 
for so many people because the church wasn't doing its job of racial. And so he's a good man. I'm not, I'm not hating on him. I'm just saying that he lacks understanding of a whole group of people and empathy for a whole group of people. And he didn't realize that what he thought was a great period of the church was actually a sad and awful period for the church because there were because he was ignorant of the suffering of millions of Americans who, in fact, are per, part of the church, just not his church, which also might be part of it. And so as there is suffering and brokenness in our world and in our country, Christians, you are, we are called to be the solution. We are called to be part of the healing because guess what? We know who the healer. We understand the healer. We understand the one who reconciles all things, but we will never be part of the solution if we don't take time to understand and empathize the people who are suffering the most. And, and instead of judging and being so so quick to criticize and believe what the news media tells us, maybe step back and maybe do some searching and figure out what the reality actually is. Our job as Christians is not just to walk by and pass out some stuff, but to get in the trenches with people, to get in the trenches with people. And that's why empathy is so incredibly powerful because the word empathy literally means to share in the feelings of someone else. So it's not even like, oh yeah, I understand. It's like, I'm sharing this with you. I'm carrying this with you. I am feeling what you are feeling, right? And so if we're going to help people, if we want to serve people, if we want to really do our job, the first step is to get in the trenches to get in the trenches. And then once we get in the trenches, what we get to do is we get to use the tools that God has given us to fight injustice and fight poverty. And one of the first tools that we have is the one of the richest countries in the world is the one of the richest metroplexes in one of the richest countries in the world. Is, I bet you know where I'm going with this one. Our finances. Yeah, but that money to provide food, to provide clothing, to provide charity, giving to Good causes. We right now we're going through our the Dave, Dave Ramsey class. What what? It's awesome. Step one to our financial freedom. Um, class one was good. But so as we we're in class one, the the video that we played, Dave said something that was really interesting to me. And I knew the first half. I didn't know the second half. He said that we're in the richest country in the world. Knew that. He said, but we're also the most in debt country in, in the world per capita. Something there doesn't quite add up, right? Like something's a little bit. Off. And so he said the next statement, he said, what if we were intentional about our finances so we had margin to freely give? Like, what if we were intentional about our finances so that we had stuff left over so that we could give? So when, whenever there's a need or whenever there's a cause, whenever we see someone suffering, we don't got to go, I would love to, but. No, actually, I budgeted for this. Here you go. And that, that's actually what excites me about this is we do that as a church. So we've told you this before, but so when we set our budget, if say our tithes and offering for the year is $100,000, we set our budget at 90% of that so that we have a 10% margin so that we never have to stress about finances. And then we actually take another 10% of that and we budget that to give it away. Like literally, we're just giving this away. That's why we were able to do 10 for one. Because we didn't come up with 10 for one when we set the budget. We came up with the idea for 10 for one in April. But because we budgeted with margin, we we're able to go, yeah, we got money to do this. And so we could be excited about it instead of stressed about it, right? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Like, I would love to, but I'm going to preach a sermon or a, a series on giving before we can give away, right? I'm just kidding. But because we budgeted with margin, we were able to go, yeah, actually, we can't wait to give some money away. Matter of fact, we're looking to give some money away. So what if we, what if we did that? Our finances are an incredible tool that God has given us to be world changers and to fight poverty and injustice, right? So there's the first one I would say. Secondly, I would say this. Another tool that you have, that we have, is the ability to teach. 
like I'll use the financial peace class again. Thank God for Corey and Maureen who are able to go, hey, we've walked through this. We've experienced this. We've been successful in this. Now we want to multiply that. Now we want to teach people. Now we want to share this with people so that they can find that too. Well, I bet that you have a special skill. I bet you have a special ability that given the opportunity, you might be able to teach somebody else that you might be able to multiply that, right? You say, what? Well, are you good at business? I bet there's some people that would love to be taught how to be well good at business. I'm one of those people. Help me. Right? Are you good at art? I bet you could go and teach. That's what Whitley Road Elementary is doing. They start an art club for kids, right? You love music? Teach music. Multiply the, multiply the skills that God have get, has given you, right? We have another one, Tyler. He's not here today, so I can talk about him, <laughs> but don't miss church. Um, he's not here today. Tyler teaches ESL on Monday nights. You would have never known that, right? It's a skill that God has given him, and he uses it to multiply and help other people. I bet you have skills that God's given you that maybe once a month or sometime during the year, you can look for an opportunity to teach and multiply. And then finally, this kind of goes with uh, teaching and training, but a tool that we have is one-on-one mentorship. Find somebody that you can mentor. As an individual, I believe that you should always be being mentored by someone and you should always be mentoring someone. So as they're pulling you along, you just grab as many people as you can. Just take them with you. Mentoring is one of the most powerful tools that we can have to change lives and to help raise somebody up, especially a one-on-one mentorship will not only help you raise that person up and help that person, but it also puts you in the trenches with that person. And so as a church, we try our best to provide these kinds of opportunities for you. That's why we do have I Love My City. If you guys have been familiar with our I Love My City, that's why we do it. It's, it's to get in the trenches with people. It's to bless people. As a matter of fact, we have an I Love My City event coming up in a couple of weeks. We're going to be helping put on a, uh, a fall festival with the community center in Watauga. So if you want to come help with that, come on out. You could use your help. Um, and so we do I Love My City. And then also something that we're working on that I haven't told you guys, but I want to put it in front of you, is at Whitley Road Elementary School, we're actually about to open up mentorship program. And so we're starting small. We're only going to have a couple mentors at first, um, but then we hope next semester to open it up to a whole church so that any of you guys say, man, I would love I would love to mentor someone. We'll have the opportunity. Why? Because we are so privileged, so blessed, and God has been so good to us. And I hope you feel that today. Like, I hope you're walking to that. I am blessed, baby. I hope you feel that today. Here's the thing is I don't want you to, I don't want you to wait because it'd be such a waste if you just use it on yourself. I love you, but multiply that thing. Multiply that thing. All right. I'm going to pray for us. We got some cool things. God, I love you. Thank you for who you Father, thank you for all of the blessings that you give us, Lord. Help us to see those blessings, but see those privileges as tools to fight for your kingdom, as tools to advance your kingdom, Lord, as tools to positively impact the lives around us. Because at the end of the day, that's the ultimate reward, God. It's not that blessing, but to use that blessing to change lives. Father, I love you. I pray that you will help us to be a church that thinks in those ways, a church that thinks in those terms. It's in Christ's name we pray.